0: Well, we are in a uh, sermon series called Flannel Board, and uh, it's not that we actually believe you heard the story was wrong. We just ended up in a tagline somehow. But stories you may have heard wrong, I don't know. Uh, but turning your Bibles uh, to Second Samuel, we gotta go a lot of. We have a lot of scriptures uh, today. I'm gonna summarize some of this this story, and I know I preached on David. Uh, I think about four months ago. So I won't spend a lot of time in 1 Samuel 17 where he was anointed and what that was like. Uh, I love this story. If you know me, you know I love uh, the story of David. He's the only character in the Bible. I mean, 60 chapters are dedicated to his story. And so I love the story of David. He's uh, written about a lot in a book I'm working on called The Process of a Leader. But today we're gonna talk about his identity of being God's friend, being God's friend. Tear in your neighbor say, God's friend. This, that's what we're going to focus on today. There's a lot of amazing attributes about him, but that's what we're going to focus on. So let's open our hearts in prayer. God, we ask that you speak through your word today. I pray that you would move all my thoughts aside and that you would just speak loud and clear by your spirit's power. God, through scripture, through the testimony of his life, that we would see you, we would see Jesus, we would see the gospel. And God, we would surrender to your goodness in Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. So um, if you're taking notes or if you downloaded the, the notes from the, the sermon notes uh, tab on the website, you'll see. we have got a couple points for you today. I wanted to just kind of summarize this. David is a friend of God. David is a courageous leader. David is a type of Christ. And David is the temple. And so that's kind of a new thing I felt like the Lord said. It just made it so clear to me. It was so cool. So we're going to go at these one at a time. The first one, David is a friend of God. I love that David is so honest. He's humble. He's courageous. When he messes up, he fesses up. And I think God loved that about him. I think God loved I In fact, I remember saying before, I think what God wants most of you is your honesty. You know, your transparency for you just be real with God. How many have ever read through some of the psalms and thought, oh, man, this dude was honest, right? Like, he's, he's honest. Sometimes he's just like, Lord, I'm in over my head. Or he's like, Lord, I got enemies everywhere. Kill them. Maybe don't pray that. But a um, lot, of, lot of transparent prayers by David. And if my voice is hoarse, it's because I was yelling at Elijah to get back in the boat. I was at a whitewater rafting trip. Everybody, everybody say hi, Elijah. His new nickname is Sprinkles because we went to Starbucks, and you got all these men ordering a black coffee, and he goes, I would like a white ribbon, pink crunch, caramel macchiato, frappuccino latte, soy milk. I added a couple things in there, but it had like eight words. I think the entire van just looked back and said, we will make you a man before this trip is over. <laughs> Timmy said amen. Okay. Everybody just look at him and say, "Get in the boat." All right, I'm still trying to tell him. All right, just kidding. David is a friend of God. Turn your Bibles to Psalm eight. If you got your Bibles, just hold that. First Samuel. Spot and also open to Psalm 8, I want to read some of his poetry, some of the things that indicate his friendship and his nearness to God and how this gives us a picture, a window into the life that we can have. And that's the big thing I want you to hear today, is that what you see in David, the friendship that you see in his life, you can have that. Listen to this. He says, "O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens out of the mouth of babies and infants. You've established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him? the son of man that you care for him. Yet you've made him a little lower than the heavenly angels, the heavenly beings, and crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. You see how David has a proper perspective of himself. He's, he's humbled by God, but he's also in all of God. In fact, just just yesterday, we we're standing on top of this little mountain, right, and looking down at this ravine, and just we're all just standing there in shock at the awe of God. How many of you guys have ever been on a great hike and you've seen just the amazing? Nobody, just me and Craig. Man, y'all need to get out. All right, this is a responsive church. How many of you guys have ever been on a good hike? Just raise your hand. All right, all right, awesome. <laughs> oh, can I tell you guys a funny story real quick? I'm tired, so you're gonna get a little more ADD today. Nate Barry, our kids' directors up there, they asked, they asked Will, Will, you in here? Getting a coffee? All right, he's usually getting a coffee by now. Nate said, hey, Will, what ha- or <laughs> Will- <laughs> he said to Will's kids, when did you guys become such sissies? And he's joking. And he goes, when my dad gave us an iPad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I don't know who that point is for, but the Lord is speaking to some of you parents right now. All right. So David has this humble view of God, and he's a poet, he's a songwriter, he's really a philosopher, right? He's talking about life, the brevity of life, the meaning of life, all the time. In Psalms, we find that David is truly aware of who he is. He's this one small human. Everybody go like this. He's this one little bitty human, but he says, but who are you, God, that you would be mindful of me, that you would love me, that you would care for me, that you would know me by name? He marveled at the heavens, and we should too. David was impressed by God, humbled by God, loved by God. Look at Psalms 18, starting at verse 16. He sent from on high, he took me. He drew me out of the many waters. He rescued me from my strong enemy and from those who hated me. For they were too mighty for me. They comfort, or confronted me in the day of my calamity. But the Lord, ever said the Lord... The Lord was my support. He brought me into a broad place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. The Lord dealt with me according to my righteousness. According to the cleanness of my hands, he rewarded me. Notice how he wants to be clean before the Lord. He says, I've kept the ways of the Lord. I've not wickedly departed from my God. It's one of the things I love about David too. He often doesn't say God. He says, my God. Isn't that cool? Put your hand on your heart see, David will often say, my father, my God. You know God has to become personal to you. God can't just be the God that, that your pastor talks about on a Sunday. It's got to be my God, my father. Look at this. I was blameless before him. I kept myself uh, from guilt. So the Lord has rewarded me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanness of my hands in his sight. With the merciful, you show yourself merciful. With the blameless, you show yourself blameless. With the purified, you show yourself pure. With the crooked, crooked, you make yourself seem torturous. For you save a humble people, but the haughty eyes you bring down. So here we find David's dependency on God. We find that David had a proper fear of the Lord. How many would say it's, it would be a good thing if we got a fresh fear of the Lord? A fresh perspective of who God is and who we are in light of who God is. And here's what I want to say if you're taking notes. David's simple and meaningful friendship with God teaches us that we too can have that. Amen? Can you guys say this with me? David's simple and meaningful friendship with God teaches us that we too can have that. And one of the greatest Christian writings of all time, I was reading it this last week, called Experiencing the Depths of Jesus Christ by Jean Goyan. She writes, there is a prayer that goes beyond your mind because your mind is very limited. Your mind can only focus on one thing at a time. There is a prayer that is a key to friendship with God. I thought it was so cool because this was the direction I was going with this story, uh, this sermon on David, and then I, I happened to read this. With God that is given... To God, uninterrupted by thinking, it's a prayer of simplicity. Selfish desires can cause this prayer to cease. But even here, there is encouragement. For once you enjoyed your Lord and tasted the sweetness of his love, you will find that even your selfish desires no longer have any hold on you. It's like what I've said before. the, The more you know the Lord, he changes your desires so you don't even desire sin anymore. You'll find it impossible to have pleasure in anything except Jesus. Let me say, I want a relationship like that, right? He said, I realize, or she said, I realize some of you feel you're too slow or that you're unspiritual and unable to attain this friendship with God. But dear reader, there is nothing further from the truth. There's nothing in this universe easier to obtain than the enjoyment of knowing Jesus Christ. Your Lord is more present to you than you are to yourself Furthermore, his desire to give himself to you is greater than your desire to lay hold of him. So how do you begin this friendship? You need only one thing. Do you need only to know, to see him, to want to know him? When you have a friend, or I'm sorry, when you have found a way to see him, you will discover that this is the way to God. It's more natural than taking a breath. This simplicity, this experiencing of Christ deep within you that you take hold of God himself with less difficulty, less interruption when you know that he's giving you the air you breathe in. If this is true, then I would ask, would it be a sin not to pray this kind of prayer of simplicity of friendship? Once you have learned to know Jesus and truly lay hold of him, you will find the way of life is so much easier that you no longer neglect this friendship with the Lord. Powerful, right? If you want to read the rest of that book, again, it's called Experiencing the Depths of Jesus Christ. I want to put up one of the lines that jumped out to me. Your your Lord is more present to you than you are to yourself. Do you know you're not far from God? I love what uh, the book of Acts says about Paul. He goes down there and all these philosophers are talking in the, in the cultural kind of hub of the area and they've got idols everywhere and there's the unknown idol. And he says, you're actually not far from God. This unknown idol, that's the real God. That's creator of the universe. You are not far from God. If you're listening online, if you're listening in person today and you say, I don't, I don't even understand what you guys are singing today and I don't understand what you're talking about. I, I'm far. You are not far. Turn to your neighbor, look him in the eye, say, you are not far from God. He is closer than you think. When you wake up in the morning, he is there. When you pour a cup of coffee, he is there. When you have a bad day at work, he is there. When you fight with your spouse and you feel regret, you feel lost in your marriage, guess what? God is there. And David knew this. David taught us this. He let his weakness be made known to God. He didn't try to hide from God. And God is not far from you. He's right there with all your questions, with all your fears, with all your what ifs. And why did that happen? He's right there. Number two, David is a courageous leader. And maybe some of you are in leadership positions at work or in your business or maybe even in ministry. And you need reminded today where your courage comes from. In 1 Samuel 23, through 24, we find David is running for his life. And I want to connect these two ideas real quick this idea of authority. He's running for his life, and God gives David 400 people in the cave of Adullam. And the word says that they were kind of despondent, kind of mad at uh, maybe the politics of the day, didn't really like maybe um, they were seeing Saul make some bad decisions, and they were, they were just disgruntled and despairing guys. And so they see David's sense of honor and his integrity and his passion, and all of these things drew them to David. And so God gives him this mighty army in this cave. And twice God gives David the chance to kill Saul. How many know the story? Twice. I'll summarize the one of the two times. He's in the cave, excuse me, and Saul comes in actually to go to the bathroom. So there's a little bit of humor in it, right? And his men say, hey, now's the chance. God is giving you this chance. God. Sometimes people will use spiritual language to give you bad advice, just so you know. But they say, hey, now's your chance. So David, though, he hears the Holy Spirit say, don't. Let me put up this slide. David honored authority every time he was given the chance because he understood authority is given by God. So his respect for God gave him a respect for authority. So simple, right? But how many of us say, like, we could use a good dose of that today's culture, right? So he had this deep respect. He said, No, I'm not going to touch the Lord's anointed. If the Lord wants me and is still going to appoint me to that position, I'm going to let him do it. You know, it's a bad idea to try to rush God's timing, right? Right? You want to let God do those things. Another time he goes down to the camp and Saul and everybody's asleep. Everybody's asleep and his servant says, go ahead, take him. His sword's right there. Kill him. Right? But no, he, he respects what God has put into place. See, the Lord does bless you. And he does give you courage and he makes you successful. When you put him first and you let him work in his timing. But I want to speak to this idea of his courage. His courage that was still under control. It's still under control. It's still, it's still, he's still letting God control his emotions. He doesn't need to get revenge. He lets God take care of the timing of things, right? And I true, truly believe that his courage to face every battle, to face every enemy... His courage, all the way back to when he was a, a teenager and he ran out to face Goliath, right? That's what we talked about last time we t- talked about David. That courage comes from his friendship. Let me say it like this. We are more apt to take bold risks and take on new adventures to be courageous when we realize we are king's kid. A child of God. I want, I want you to let that settle in your spirit this morning. Because some of you have some, some bold new adventures, God wants to take you, in and you say, I don't know if I can do it. Turn to your neighbor and say, Yes, you can. Do you know why? God gives you that courage. Because remember, again, for you, success isn't in the outcome of your faith. It's just in the obedience of your faith. It's just saying yes. It's saying, Yes, Lord, you're with me. I see this giant named Goliath. I'm gonna come out and face him because God will deliver, right? Remember that? God will deliver you into my hands. It's that same courage that led him to face battles. Now he's become a general in Saul's army. He's winning every battle, every single time. And he's got that courage. Are you lacking courage? Are you lacking Courage, then maybe you need to connect that to are you missing your identity as being a friend of God, as being fathered by God? I hope you connect these two this morning. Because maybe you're lacking courage. And maybe you need to be reminded that you have a king for a father. Who's with this side's not with me, so I'm gonna come down here. I'm gonna look you right in the face, Paul. I'm gonna look you right. You done with your breakfast? Okay. Listen. Brandy, you can face anything because God, in addition to Paul, God is your father. So what do you have to fear? That's why David writes in the Psalms, what shall I fear? Right? What shall I fear? And some of you today need reminded of that. You need your courage back because you need your friendship back. you got to go back to doing the original things of your time with the Lord. Because maybe you say, oh, you know, if I'm honest, Pastor Jordan, I haven't had my time with the Lord in the mornings. Well, maybe your friendship is lacking. And guess what? When your friendship is lacking, your courage is lacking. Are you listening this morning? you okay with me? Amen? All right, number three. David is a type of Christ. David is a picture of what Jesus Christ has done for us. When I read through 1st and 2nd Samuel I see how vividly David reflects the life of Christ. In fact, he's actually Jesus is actually called the son of David. He would be the head of nations. David himself prophesied unknowingly about Jesus when he spoke of himself in Psalm 18, verse 43 through 48. You delivered me from strife with people. You'd made me the head of nations, people whom I had not known served me. As soon as they heard of me and they obeyed, foreigners came to me. Foreigners lost heart and came trembling out of their fortresses. The Lord lives and blessed be my rock and exalted be the God of my salvation. The God who gave me vengeance and subdued peoples under me, who rescued me from my enemies. Yes, you exalted me above all those who rose against me. Does that sound like Jesus? You delivered me from every man of violence. Does that sound like Jesus? God delivered him out of the grave. You see, likewise, God delivered Jesus, subdued every enemy, made him the head of nations, Gave him authority over all things. And I got news for you. You are seated in heavenly places with Jesus. Come on, somebody. You're seated in heavenly places. That's why when you look at the life of David, when you look at the life of Joseph, and you see the faithfulness, and then you see God elevate them, you have to understand that's a type of Christ. And when David won those victories, he won those victories for the people of Israel. And when Jesus won victory at the cross, he won it for you. You're just at home having lasagna. You know what I'm saying? And he's out there fighting your battle. I mean, it was probably pita and hummus. Maybe it wasn't lasagna, but for them. But David was out winning that battle. And so he would come home, right, and they would celebrate. And they would celebrate him. Jesus, just like David, defeated every enemy in your life so you can experience peace. I hope you hear this. Because some of you might be lacking peace today, and you, do, you need to fix your focus on the one who won you peace. Let me say that again. Some of you need peace this morning. You have a lot of restlessness going on in your life. And maybe God needs to say, hey, look upon Jesus. The one who just won the battle. The one who just came home. The one who just celebrated victory. We're celebrating with him. Amen? That depression, that unexplained anxiety, Jesus defeated that on the cross for you. Maybe that anxiety to need more. That greed that rises up in your heart when the Holy Spirit says to let go of some money and that need to hold on to that dollar, that fear of not having enough money, Jesus died for that too. That anger, maybe some of you still, you have, you're fighting with a temper, Jesus died for that too. He won that battle at the cross. So instead of you trying to go out and fight the same battle, why don't you just look to Jesus? Just look to Jesus and say, Jesus, you won that for me. Again, I want to say you are not far from God. You're not far from God. And the last point, David is the temple of God. Now, you've heard me preach. Um, how many have been here for more than 10 years? You've, right? So you've heard me preach about the tabernacle of David often. It's one of my favorite subjects. Right? He has this tabernacle. But I want you to see this in a new light. Because I was typing my sermon early in the week and, and it was almost like I accidentally wrote, David is the temple. Because I, I, I think I meant to say David has this temple, this tabernacle. But I wrote, is, and I heard the Holy Spirit and said, no, he is the temple. You see, David it was like the gateway between two worlds for a lot of people. A lot of people didn't know who God was, right, until they met David. Just like a lot of people don't know who God is until they meet you. Dennis, until they meet you. Right, until they meet you. David carried with him the presence of God. And you think about this. This is what Jesus talked about in John 14. When he said, I'm going to go to the Father and you're going to do what I'm doing. And you will actually do even greater things because I go. The same spirit that is in me will be given to you. And we will be one. How many guys recognize when people came up to Jesus, they came up to like the brink of heaven? Anybody with me? Right? How many realize when they meet you, they should be coming to the brink of heaven? You say, no, you don't understand. I'm, I'm just, I'm messed up. I am too. Welcome to church. And by the way, if you say, well, I'm just going to go find me a perfect church, you'll ruin it the minute you walk in. I don't know if you've ever heard that joke. Nobody's ever heard that joke. That's a great one. I'm looking for the perfect church. Well, when you find it, don't enter. No, I'm kidding. It's a joke. When you say, well, but all my weaknesses and all my problems, and I can't tell people about Jesus. No, I can't I can't pray for someone. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. You, are the, you have the same spirit of God. The same spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead. Paul says lives in you. Somebody go, right? The same spirit of God, Randy, the same spirit of God that moved a giant stone out of the way and put breath back into that body is the same spirit that lives in you. Think about that. Think about that. When Bob Pashley and, and Mick Gallonick, I want I just want to celebrate them for a minute, they're always leading people to Jesus. And John Farmel, they'll be telling me, I prayed with somebody at the flea market and tears running out. Why? They're the temple. They didn't say, Oh, hold on, I need a pulpit. I'm not even gonna try to carry that. I haven't been working out, and that thing is heavy. Let's just do this. I need some church stuff with me. Here, I need I need, I need, a, I need a music stand. I need a prayer cloth. <laughs> right. No, you are the temple. I better put this back. You are the temple. You guys realize that? This is just stuff. You are the temple. And David understood that. He would rest in the shadow of the Ark of the Covenant where the angels are above the Ark. Why do you think he writes, I rest in the shadow of your wings? Because those golden wings over the Ark of the Covenant, he would get up early in the morning and just, just chill out, just lay there in the presence of God. Tom, you can have that. Friendship with God, nearness with God. You can be a place where people meet God. That's what the temple is. Why do you think in Amos nine eleven? God says, in the last days, I will rebuild, not the tabernacle of Moses, the tabernacle of David. David, it's just a big piece of canvas with some sticks. How many, say, how many of you say, you know what, my life looks more like a piece of canvas with sticks other than an elaborate temple? Right? Right? You and I are like what Paul calls living stones being built together to create a temple for God. You are not far from God, and I want to say this, neither is your neighbor, neither is your coworker. Can I transition to those, to those of you that are following Jesus now? I want to talk to you about our mission. And maybe you felt far from God in this first half of this sermon, this first part of the sermon, I rather I should say encourage you and maybe, though, for some of you, you know God. You are a friend of God. But I want to remind you, God wants others to also be a friend. God wants others to also be a friend. You are not far from God, and neither is your neighbor, your coworker. I was listening to a sermon by Bill Johnson this last week, and it resonated with me so deeply. I want to hear this. He said, it's just as important that you walk in the power of God as it is the character of God. He said, this is how you know there's a problem with our culture because people feel like they have to choose. It's not an either or scenario. Sadly, we've made it a choice. We say we walk in the character of God and we value it so much, we say, well, we don't really need the miracles because I'm focused on the important thing, the character. We don't need to perform or have the power. We need, just need to have character. He says, I've heard that over and over. He said, okay, but that's not what God intended. That's not what Jesus said. Did Jesus say that? No, it's not what Jesus said. Why would Jesus say, go heal the sick if he didn't mean it? Why would Jesus say, go raise the dead if he didn't mean it? Why would Jesus say, cast out demons? Things that are causing people mental torture, right, if he didn't mean it. He wants you and I to walk in both the power and the character of Jesus Christ. This is why scripture says he was fully God, fully man. He was giving us a pattern to follow. I cannot agree with that anymore. It's so true. And when you read the words of Jesus, you realize that. And some pastors and some theologians have a hard time with that. But the thing is, when you read scripture and you read the words of Jesus, when he says in Matthew 28, when he says in Mark 10, In fact, even when he says in Matthew 10, when he says, go house to house, and if they reject your message, realize they're not rejecting uh, you, they're rejecting the message. So shake the dust off your feet. For anyone who welcomes a prophet in my name also welcomes me. And I feel like God wants to give you guys an encouragement today to walk in courage like David walked in courage. Despite who comes against you, Pardon me one second. Despite who comes against you. because think about David. He had his own wife, Michael, Saul's daughter, mocking him in his worship. He had his own father-in-law trying to kill him. How I many That sounds like a drama. Somebody's like, I thought my family was messed up, you know? His wife is publicly mocking him. His father-in-law is trying to kill him. Now, do you think David had an excuse then to stop? I should just stop. I should just stop. No, but do you know what sustains him? He remembers the prophet visiting his house and calling him by name. Come on, right? That's where you go back to who you really are. Your real identity is that you are a child of God. That's where the courage comes from. The friendship with God. The nearness with God. And some of you say, well, Pastor Jordan, I can't pray for some. I come from a broken home. We all do. Every home is broken. Every home is filled with broken people. Right? Right? I love how Pastor Scott Wilson said it here two weeks ago. He said, a lot of us look to our, our, our father and we say, well, our, my dad was like this. And so even if he was great, even if he was great, you're going to say, well, there's these shortcomings. And so I no, but listen, God, your heavenly father, it's to the roof. Right. You say, well, then I can't trust God because of the way my, my dad treated me or the way my wife treats me. No, you can trust God is altogether different. God is altogether different. And David's friendship with God gave him courage to keep on going, to keep on being in whatever position he was in. First as a general, right, and then as the king. And some of you need encouraged this morning. Can you stand up on your feet? You need encouraged to know that God has you in the place he has you on purpose. Is it, is it Dana? I just want to pray for you. Can you guys reach your hands towards Dana? i want to give you all, we're all going to have a chance to respond to the sermon in just a moment. But Dana, I just see such a love of God in you. So you may not be in ministry, but I feel like the Lord says you're like a minister. And you carry a compassion that is really beautiful. And I feel like the Lord just says, man, you have a shepherd's heart. And he is really made you like a shepherd. And so Father, I just bless my my new friend just met today. In fact, I want to say, Dana, that like David, some things didn't work out with your dad. But God says, I put a staff in your hand and I've given you a tender heart. And you could have been could have been rigid. You you could have been bitter. But the Lord allowed some of the pain of childhood to make you broken like David. Because David said, "'Even though my mother and father forsaken me, "'you, O oh Lord, have never forsaken me.'" You have become a father to the fatherless. And the way David knew God as a father, he's just, got, God is just wants to encourage you and say, I've made you like a shepherd. I've made you just like David. And even though some things didn't work out in the upbringing, God says, I've got you, you're mine, you're my son, I called you by name. In fact, almost like the way David adopted Mephibosheth, it's like you you know you're adopted by Father God. So Father, we bless Dana, we bless Dana. We bless him with a, you also, I believe you have a gift of like a righteous judgment, like a discernment. You have a gift to discern. And I feel like the Lord is just, God, I just pray for more opportunities that he would exercise that gift to discern, not just right from wrong, but excellent from good. And so, Father, I thank you for this this man. Thank you for a shepherd-like heart. Thank you that he cares deeply for people. Thank you for his soft heart, his tender heart towards people, a minister's heart, a servant's heart. We bless you in Jesus' name just bow your heads father i pray that you'd speak to all of us right now would you just put your hand on your heart and guys i don't know about you but i'm going to pray this and i'm just i guess i'm just asking you to join me in it can you just maybe pray this with me heavenly father make me like david honest when i'm weak Grateful when you are strong. When you give me victory, I'll give you praise. I won't look to myself, but I look to you. Make me like David. More importantly, make me like Jesus. Make me like Jesus. A place where people can meet God. Make me a temple, a place of living stones, a tabernacle. Make me an ark of the covenant filled with your presence. If you could just keep your hand on your heart, I just want to pray for you. I pray that every person in the sound of my voice would just have a newfound courage to pray for the sick. I want to pray that. Guys, I had seven people tell me they were healed last week. And listen, I want you to hear me. Praying for the sick, there's no magic formula. There's no, you have to read these three books and say these ten steps. Do you know why Jesus did it differently every time? Because there is no formula. You know why sometimes he spit in the mud, and sometimes he just touched the ear, And because there is no formula. There is only a name, and it's the name of Jesus. I give you courage. I bless you with courage. I bless you with courage. In particular, Jeremy Brownlee. Stretch your hands towards Jeremy, my right, your left. God, I thank you for a healing anointing on my friend. I've seen it so many times when I've seen him. Father, I thank you. I thank you that there will be a season coming up. There will be a season when he just looks at someone and they're healed. Father, just like Peter would walk by and they would just be healed by his shadow, I thank you, God, that when they see those eyes of Jeremy, those eyes of deep love and deep compassion, that they would be healed just by him looking, just by him looking at them. He won't even have time to pray for them. And they'll just say, oh, what's happening to me? And they'll feel it. Jeremy, they will feel the presence of God come upon them. God, I pray a healing, a healing gift. Lord, you said in your word, we all can pray for the sick, and we all can expect miracles, but you said in your word, there is the gift of faith and the gift of miracles. God, and I thank you that in your word, you make that clear, and I pray for my friend. Miracle after miracle after miracle, one after another. I want everybody to prophesy with me and say this with me. Look at Jeremy and say, one after another. Come on, prophesy with me. Say, one after another. Jeremy, I see a time in your life coming where you have a little book, a black book, and you're going to turn the pages and you're going to start writing down the miracles. Carrie, usually women are better with details, so I want you to write this down later. Get him a book and believe with him that there's going to be a time when you start writing the miracles and God wants to say to you, you're not going to be able to keep up with them. You're not gonna be able to keep up. You're gonna write them down, and the next day you're like, wow, oh, man, I just wrote three down. Oh, here's another one. Here's another one. Oh, did I write that miracle down? You're gonna be 11 o'clock at night. You'll be trying to go to bed, and you'll say, Did I write that down? And she'll say, I'm tired. Let's just go to sleep. There's gonna be so many miracles. You're gonna run out of time to write them down. God, I thank you for that John G. Lake anointing. I thank you for that John G. Lake anointing. God, I thank you. I want to say it one more time for that John G. Lake anointing. I thank you that he will just look at people. He'll just touch people and say, can I pray for you? And in a moment, you will provide healing. Encounters with God. I just hear the name like Jacob, like you've been wrestling with God. And Jeremy, it's like you're going to walk away with a limp today. And maybe it feels lately like you're limping. It's because you're walking with God. Walking with God. God, I thank you for this man that's, that's wrestling with you and saying, I know there's things in heaven that belong here on earth. And I know there's things that you want to do in my life. God, I thank you. He's been wrestling with you, wrestling. God says, you've been wrestling with me, fighting for what I have for you. God, I thank you for this father-like calling that you've given him. I thank you that you've put your heart in his chest. It's at, it's at times, it's like your heart is so big in this small chest. Thank you, God, for that gift of compassion that is, God, uh, inevitably linked with that gift of healing. I wanna say that again. I thank you for the gift of compassion that is so, it's so linked with the gift of healing. So, Father, we bless him again. Can you guys just pray for your friend whoever's next to you? Put your hand on their shoulder. I want you to become the prayer team this morning. I want you to pray for somebody. Put your hand on their shoulder. All right? Maybe just say this with them God, I bless them with courage to speak up, with faith to pray. A prayer of faith. Come on, say it like you mean it. Not double minded, fully assured that you can do it. A gift of faith. A gift of miracles in Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. 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 Well, thanks for coming and worshiping with us today. We love you.